Welcome to Water from the Well, a work of the Church of Christ in Santa Clara. I'm here today with uh, a few people that uh, I like to talk with and uh, get their perspective on life, and actually one of them is myself. <laughs> but then I'm here with my wife, uh, Maurice Jarner, and we're also here with Scott Ruska and his wife, Paula Ruska. And um, the reason why I thought I'd bring the four of us together is because uh, the ladies in the room actually were Christians when they started dating us men who were not Christians at the time. And there's a unique perspective about that as far as you know, being someone who's in the faith and then entertaining a relationship with someone who's outside of the faith. And so I thought that we would all share a little bit about our experience and you know, maybe that would help someone who is a Christian who might be dating a, a non-Christian or someone who's a non-Christian who might be dating a Christian. Um, but just to hear from us, you know, what did we go through and, and how did it affect our lives and bring us to where we are today. So uh, first of all, welcome to all three of you. I'm going to ask the ladies first, and I'll start with you, Paula. Um, what's your religious background? How did you, did you become a Christian? Um, well, my dad was a preacher, so... That I, helps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I grew up on the pew, um, and th that's, I mean, that was just some a part of my life always. Mm -hmm. Right, right. You, Marie? I did not grow up in a home where we attended church regularly. My mom was a, a lapsed member of the church, and so the only exposure I had to the church is when we would go visit my grandparents who were devout Christians. And so uh, through my association with them, we didn't see them very often because they lived several states away. So um, just through my visits with them and letters to them and those sorts of things. I mean, I always did know that the church, that there was one church and all of the things that, that we believe I had heard throughout my life, but they didn't really take meaning until I became late teens, I think like 18 or something. And um, then it really resonated with me and uh, I became a Christian when I shortly before my 19th birthday. Okay, thank you. Um, so, Scott, I'm going to ask you, how did you meet Paula? Paula and I met at work. We worked together in a small electronics company actually up in Los Gatos. Okay, very great. Well, Marie and I uh, met in college. We were both at San Francisco State, and um, I was down in the student union where the students sit and eat their lunch and all that, and she came down the stairs and my eyes went bloom. <laughs> uh, but it wasn't, it wasn't until about seven years later where we started uh, dating. And, you know, we, we first hung out as friends, but uh, we started dating from there. Um, but And I think I'm it's sorry. important to note that you knew me before I became a Christian. I didn't become right. a Christian until several months after we met. So you have the before and after picture. And I think that that will have some meaning later as we discuss this because it wasn't just that I started dating someone outside of the faith. It was someone that I had known for a long time and who knew me right. before the conversion. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Scott, did you know Paula before she became converted or was she already a Christian? When no, Paula became a Christian at 
an early age, yeah, just 12. 12. And oh, okay. so she was a Christian when I met her right, for a number right. of years. Okay. Uh, and, you know, I'll actually take this opportunity to talk a little bit about a subject that's come up a number of times during the podcast. But um, I've, I've interviewed a number of people that grew up in a Christian home. And just about every single one of them have, have told me that they got baptized right around 12 years old. Um, and... Uh, you know, I, I just spoke with uh, Paul Watson, who's a preacher intern with us now, and he said that uh, he was baptized around that age, too. Do you think that uh, growing up in a Christian home typically will lead a person to be baptized earlier in life? Probably, I, just because mm-hmm. you're exposed to it more, and it's something that, I don't know, that you've you know thought about all your life, seen all your life. So, yeah, I think probably it, it makes it something that would happen just naturally for right. you at that age. So, okay. yeah. I mean, and I don't know that 12 is not a magic number, yeah. I don't think. But I think just, you know, that's mm-hmm. kids start thinking about things a little bit more, and right. you kind of go, yeah, I think I need to do that. Yeah. So and I think it does make a difference when you've seen it in your life since birth. Uh, just the uh, the allegiance to God and the faith uh, that you see in the household and those around you when you go to worship, I think it does uh, lend someone to getting baptized a bit earlier and taking taking it more seriously earlier in life. Mm-hmm. I think if you look at our kids, I mean, the fact that I got baptized at almost 19, you were 27, 27. Yeah. Um, but then our kids were baptized at 13, 12, and 10. Yeah. So I think that there's definitely something to be said for that mm-hmm. model. Okay, I will follow that up with uh, ladies. So here you are, you're Christians already, you're, you're faithful, worshiping God, and um, you start dating us. <laughs> and I almost just want to say why. <laughs> what was it that, that um, led you to uh, be interested in Scott? Um, well, we worked together, and mm-hmm. I mean, I thought he was a good person, and he was nice, and we enjoyed each other's company, and actually, my boss kind of suggested that maybe we wanted to go out. Well, actually, her question was, who wants to go out after work tonight? And Scott said, well, I could go. And I said, well, I suppose I could go. And she said, great, I can't go. You guys go. <laughs> oh, <what a> trick. <laughs> so that was, that was kind of how we went out the first time. And um, we, we enjoyed each other's company. And, mm-hmm. you know, we had work in common at that point. That was really probably all we had in common at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, great, great. Marie, what made you want to go out with me? <laughs> well, the, the, here's the interesting thing is that you and I were already good friends. We were mm-hmm. very good friends. Yeah. And so I think that that's the best basis for any kind of relationship you could ever hope to pursue with someone. Because really, I didn't, when we first started hanging out after knowing each other for seven years, when we first started going out, it was in my mind as friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't see you as a romantic relationship or possibility at that point. Mm-hmm. It's as I got to know you on a different level. Um, spending much more time because we would hang out in the same group of friends and so we didn't hang out really one-on-one as much so as we began to hang out one-on-one and I got to know you um, I saw your sense of humor and a lot of other things that were attractive about you and so um, but I, I I think also to note is that you know I had been dating someone and I was sort of disillusioned and so you were safe for me mm. as a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I saw you as a friend, and that friendship was much more valuable to me than 
just a dating relationship with someone else. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because there was more to risk if things didn't work out with us mm -hmm. because I would be losing a great friend. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, Scott, I'll ask you, um, being a person that didn't have a spiritual life at that time, um, what did you think about Paula in that aspect of her life? Well, it was kind of a process because when we first met, as, as Paula said, what we mainly had in common was work. Mm -hmm. and I learned to know her first as a you know, as a, as a valued co-worker um, in the workplace, I'm sure we've all found that you soon find I can depend on some people, I can't depend on some yeah. people, and Paula was one who could be depended on. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, as friends, we, you know, we both like to read, you know, she's intelligent, and, and so there's a lot of that going on. Mm -hmm. um, and then, so the, the, uh, the knowledge, the understanding of faith and where it played a role in her life came along, grew as a relationship came. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's never like a, I mean, there's never a time when Paul said, uh, you know, before we go out, you should know I'm a Christian. Or, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's time we talked about, but it emerged because it's a natural part of her life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as I said this morning when I talked, at first uh, it was kind of a puzzle. I was reasonably bought into the fact that uh, uh, kind of sharp, intelligent, aware people were not believers. But she's sharp, aware, and intelligent, and she is a believer. Yeah. And so that <laughs> was a bit of a puzzle to me. And, you know, puzzles yeah. can be intriguing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I found myself in, in a similar situation. You know, the two of us were friends, and I actually didn't know her before she became a Christian. Now, Marie's personality back there was, was really... Um, I'll just say it, it was loud. <laughs> and so she became a loud Christian. I mean, when she became a Christian, everybody down there knew that you needed to be baptized in order to be saved because she was just loud and open with it. And so my initial impression of her, and we were just friends at that time, is that she had joined a cult. And so, okay, yeah, that's where she's gone now. But, you know, a couple months from now, she'll be back to where she was before. But seven years later, you know, I ran into her in, in uh, a parking lot of the Tower Records in San Francisco and um, found out that she was still going there. So I'm thinking, wow, this cult got a hold of her for seven years. <laughs> I just wonder what that's about. <laughs> that was my initial impression. But, you know, uh, we hung out and we talked. And, um, you know, there was no, no pressure on me to find out about the, uh, where she was going or anything like that. We just talked and we had a good time. But I knew that that was part of her life. Um, and uh, as we started to date, uh, I realized that, you know, Wednesday nights and Sundays were the Lord's. And uh, that was never going to change. And that, it was similar to what you're saying. There was a puzzle about that to me. You know, how did they get her attention, keep her attention, and have her be so faithful for so long? And that's what eventually broke the ice for me where, you know, after dropping her off to, to Bible studies and worship services and then coming back and getting her, I finally got out of the car and went upstairs uh, to see what was going on. And so, uh, so that was that part for me. Now, ladies, um, I'm sure you're familiar with 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. It talks about not being unequally mm -hmm. yoked with unbelievers. Mm -hmm. Did that plague you at all? As you began to date us, and I'll start with you, Paula. No. <laughs> okay. I guess, so part of it, when you start dating, at least I wasn't, you know, this wasn't like, okay, this is forever. I got to make all my decisions right, right this minute. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, in a process of getting to know Scott, I felt that 
there that he was open-minded enough even though he didn't believe he was um <laughs> that you know he he would talk about this when the time was right and right. and i think you know when he talked about this a little bit this morning the approach with him could never have been we need to talk about this right now mm-hmm. and things did come up in conversation constantly and we did talk about things probably more than you know you remember so much but i mean we we talked about a lot of things and i don't think the unequally yoked thing bothered me so much because i mm-hmm. felt like he would eventually you know come to know the lord so right. that wasn't a huge worry for me and like mm-hmm. i said i didn't feel like you know immediately have to make all my decisions right this second yeah, absolutely. so yeah good good marie while we were dating i had been a, a member of a congregation for several years and everyone at that congregation all the males of dateable age uh, were like brothers to me so it was really weird to think about dating your brother, right? Yeah. Um, and in surrounding congregations, if you go to, if you are a faithful Christian, generally you will go to all the singings and all the gospel meetings and all of the things that they have. And so there were, there's a wider pool of Christians to choose from, but I felt like some of those did not turn out well. <laughs> And you know the story that I'm talking about. Yeah, maybe we won't go into detail. <laughs> we, won't go, we won't go into detail, but there was definitely some dating disasters um, there. So, but again, you and I were friends, and it kind of evolved there, where we were just going to movies as friends, and it kind of turned into a dating relationship. But it wasn't until you and I got engaged that that scripture did sort of plague me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I felt like... I could probably handle myself as a strong, faithful adult. I'm not saying that I was infallible or that I couldn't fall away, but I felt pretty strongly in my convictions already, and they had lasted throughout our dating relationship that, you know, I didn't compromise myself in the sense of not uh, forsaking the assembly and not going and that kind of a thing. Um, but as we contemplated marriage, it did start to weigh on me because I thought, well, children are going to be brought into this relationship if the mm-hmm. Lord blesses us so, and they will love us equally. So who's to say whose influence will be greater? Right. I mean, I think probably staying in your underwear on Sunday morning watching sports or <laughs> cartoons is probably going to hold a better appeal at some point when our kids want to sleep in or do what it Well, daddy does it. Mm-hmm. So for me, it did become a concern, and I did call off our engagement briefly. Mm-hmm. But I will say this, like Paula said, um, the difference, I think, in someone contemplating dating someone who's not a Christian, you have to know the soil that you're working with. Mm -hmm. Yes. There were people I had dated that it was clear that they were coming to church because they knew that it was important to me, and it wasn't a a spiritual quest for them. For you, it was clear that it was a spiritual quest, Mm -hmm. and so I was dealing with different soil, and I, I felt confident that you were really trying to find answers yourself. And that made things different. Whether that was a justification in my mind, I don't know. Um, but I was proven correct. So, <laughs> but, but seriously, though, I, I think that a person who is dating someone who is not a Christian has to evaluate that person and go into it with the knowledge, if this person isn't going to become a Christian, do I have the strength to walk away or what? What's the plan B if if this doesn't 
you know, if it doesn't work out, because you do have to think about children and other people who may be affected by your relationship who don't mm -hmm. have the the background and strengths that you have. Mm -hmm. And I, I'd add, I also had been through a relationship where someone came to church because of me, was baptized because of me, and when we broke up, he was gone. Mm -hmm. It was like that was the last time those doors were ever darkened by him. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that was why it was important to me without, you know, pushing mm -hmm. to be able to talk to him and figure out, was this something that he was interested in? Or like you said, is it something he's going to come because right. I'm going, so he's going too. So that was really important. Mm -hmm. And I agree. Yeah. But I, I think, you know, at the beginning, that wasn't at the top of my, because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I wasn't all in committed. Right. So mm -hmm. at that mm -hmm. point, it was like, I'm trying to figure out, is mm -hmm. this something mm -hmm. that would be something he's interested in or not. So Yeah, yeah. Good, good. So, Scott, I'm going to ask you, um, how then were you influenced? Because you were, a uh, matter of fact, uh, as your lesson this morning told us, you were an atheist. Mm -hmm. And so started dating Paula. And what do you think it was about her and her attitude toward God that opened the door for you to, to then have your own, um, you know, not, not a relationship to God through her, but to have your own relationship with God. Okay. So, <laughs> very good question. Um, so at the beginning, obviously, I was attracted to Paula as a person, mm -hmm. as we've discussed, uh, it, because it became clear to me how central faith was in her mm -hmm. life. Uh, since I respected her, I respected her beliefs, but did not have any intention of joining her in them because I felt I had my own beliefs and they had their own grounding. Yeah. And, uh, and they were mainly a belief not in things rather than in <laughs> things. But, you know, and, and I, I must say, in light of what she said earlier, that I've, I've always taken that seriously. It's been important to me to kind of know what I believed and why I believed mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. um, and as I said this morning, as time goes on, what really influenced me was not so much the substance of the belief as the results, because I saw that that worked a what a a peace and a generally more effective attitude towards life in mm -hmm. Paula. And through Paula, I met other Christians, and I right. began to see this as something that all these people had in common. Is there something there about the way they handle life and the way they handle? problems and the way they handle other people that is superior to what I am familiar with mm -hmm. in the world around me. Mm -hmm. yeah. That then opened my mind to entertain the, the intellectual side. Yeah, absolutely. I had a very similar experience myself. Just that, uh, I, I even told her that I didn't want to go to worship with her because of her. And that's why I refused to. I would drop her off at the door, let her go up to Bible study, go off somewhere and then come back and pick her up. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I thought initially that that would push her away, but it didn't. And I know I know now that she realized that that was a good thing because I wasn't coming because of her. And eventually when I did come, it was because I was interested in what she knew, and I wanted to learn it for myself. And just that influence of seeing how seriously she took it. And, and I, I've often said this, that I wonder if I would be a Christian today if one of those times she decided, you know what, I'm not going to go to Bible study today. I'll just go hang out with you. 
because I feel like my mind would have registered that in in the fact that you know what she's not a hundred percent serious about that thing, and I might have tried other things to try to get her not to go to worship or not go, to go to this or that, but she refused. As a matter of fact, not only did she have to go, but she told me I can't be late. <laughs> I had to get her there on time if I was going to be out with her, and that made an impression on me, and, and ultimately uh, helped me to to open the door to to find out exactly what what she knew. Um, was it a challenge, and this is to the ladies, uh, was it a challenge at first to have a partner who was younger in the faith? No. I, I think Scott, you know, as we talked about, really enjoys reading, and, and it wasn't like he was unfamiliar with the mm-hmm. Bible. And mm-hmm. in fact, I'll tell you, one time when we were dating, we were watching something on TV, and I don't remember exactly what it was that came up, and I it was a religious thing that... I didn't feel was right. And I said, that's, that's silly. And he said, no, it's not. It's in the Bible. And I said, well, I don't think it is. Now, this is a man who's told me he does not believe in God. He does not have any interest in this. And he stands up and walks away. We were at his house. He stands up and walks away and he comes back into the room with a Bible in his hand, which first off I looked at and went, where did that come from? (laughs) And not only did he have the Bible, he opened the Bible and pointed to exactly what he wanted me to see. And I said to myself at that point, okay, okay, there's hope here. So I don't feel like even though he was newer in the faith that he was unfamiliar and he's, you know, a very good student of things and Mm -hmm. learns very quickly. And Mm -hmm. I I don't feel like that was ever an issue for us. I mean, obviously there were things that I'd studied and known longer, but Mm -hmm. he dug right in. When he became committed, he was all in. Right. Great, great. Marie? Was it, your question is, was it a challenge to have someone who was young, to be in a relationship with someone who was younger in the faith? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, in some ways, yes, and in some ways, no. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in some ways, yes. Um, I think there's a progression that every Christian kind of goes through, and it may be different in Paula's situation because you grew up in the church, and these were mm-hmm. concepts that were completely familiar to you your whole life. Um, as someone who came from outside of the church, there were many things that I had to struggle to find out for myself because I had absolutely no spiritual guidance um, from anyone in my home. So it was all by trial and error that I came to this place. Um, And so I think that when you come from outside there is a progression where, you know, like you said, there's this burning enthusiasm that I had at first. You call it loud Christianity, but there was <laughs> a burning enthusiasm that I had to share with everyone. Um, and then there were just a lot of other things that I, I, I struggled with that I went through. And I think it's just like as a child crawls and then walks and then, you know, runs. It's the same with being a Christian. And so I was several steps ahead of you, mm. but you had to go through that progression for yourself. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that that's a hard thing because otherwise it does become my Christianity. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, it's kind of like um, when you have a second child, they pick up language faster because they have an older sibling. And so maybe in that sense, you know, you had my footsteps to follow, but I'm following behind, you know. Mm-hmm. So there, mm-hmm. there are just these things. And I think we got married um because we'd known each other for so long, so shortly after we started dating, um, that there's that marriage dynamic that you're going through. And I yeah. had my own baggage because I was from a 
single parent household. So I didn't have the model of the give and take in a relationship. Combined with that, that I had um, a husband who was new in the faith. Mm-hmm. There's just that dynamic that I had to deal with. And so I think in some ways you weren't very confident in some of the decisions that you were making um, and just that, that progression of becoming a, a grown, mature Christian. The Bible even talks about that, about, you know, we're on milk and then we move to meat. And so you were doing that in the shadow of someone who already had been a Christian for seven years, but you were the head of our household. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think that that was um, an adjustment for us to make, mm-hmm. but I think we made it pretty well because we'll be married 30 years next year. Yeah. I mean, next month. Yeah. Next, Next month. month. <laughs> you know, um, just the, uh, when I think about um, when I first became a Christian and, and you know, uh, my observation of you and, and your life and how you, um, through your faith, influenced me, you know, through, through your actions rather than, you know, trying to, to force certain verses down my, my throat or that type of thing. Um, I, I look a lot at my Christianity as things like that. Um, those types of you know, observing people and how they exercise their faith, I find that uh, to be just as strong as things that I've read in in the Bible uh, to influence me in, in my growth. Um, when I first became a Christian, I relied a lot on you um, and watching what you did and watching what others did around me. Um, and but but after a, a certain amount of time, I started to learn. I feel like I really grew. Uh, by by things that I not only learned from reading God's word, but the things I observed uh, among the brotherhood. And I appreciate what you were saying, Scott, just about how um, you know your behavior and how uh, your attitude is toward God and the way you live your life can be an influence on uh, just as strong an influence on people that see you as you sitting down and having a Bible study with them. Um, there is one one thing that I always look back on when I had become a Christian. I always bring up this example. It was, I was a new Christian, and I felt like a new Christian for the long, for, I shouldn't say the longest time, but even after I'd been baptized, I still felt like a little bit of an outsider until this happened. And when I saw this happen with my fellow brothers and sisters, it just had such an impact on me that I felt included ever since then. And it, my, my uh, realization of that has just grown more and more over the years. But it was a, it was a Super Bowl a Sunday, and we had left... Um, the, the worship service and we went over to a house to watch it and it's the Cabrera home they had a lot of hospitality there and stuff but there were there were a lot of us there in the house and the, the ladies were upstairs they made this huge spread of food and all this stuff and then we go downstairs a big screen TV we're sitting there watching the Super Bowl and I look at my watch and I'm saying to myself okay we've got another hour and we've got evening services. I wonder if we're going to go. <laughs> so I'm sitting there thinking to myself, what are we going to do? Here's the 49ers in, in the uh, Super Bowl. And we're all sitting here. And next thing I know, about 10 minutes had passed since I had that thought. And people started getting up and grabbing coats and turning the TV off. We went upstairs. The ladies already had the food put away. And we just went. And I didn't hear conversations about it or anything or anybody trying to convince everybody. Everybody from the old to the young understood that it's time to go to worship. And so we just closed down house and we went to worship. And it's like the game was forgotten. It's time to go and worship God. And that told me, I mean, that told me we're a family under God. 
not under the 49ers or anything like that. But that really had an impression on me. And I, I think that that was one huge step in my growth as a Christian beyond me being baptized. Scott, do you have any observations like that to share? Uh, turning points between feeling yeah. uh, not, not so much, actually. I, mm-hmm. I felt... Uh, Obviously, at the beginning, it's okay. I'm I'm doing something new here, and I got a lot of uh, uh, kind of customary things to learn. Yeah, yeah. But I I felt I pretty much felt included. Yeah, uh, yeah. From then on, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I, I I will say I occasionally I, I'm less sensitive to it now. I used to notice a lot when when people would sit in class. Well, you know, this is verse so and so and so and so, but we're not going to read that because we all know that. And I wanted to hold up my hand and say, I don't know that. <laughs> and I would really be interested in having a couple minutes to understand yeah, it. But, yeah. but, you know, Absolutely. that's passed with time. Right, right, right. You know, um, but I think as we're living our lives as Christians that there are different people, you know, that, that do have influence over us. I noticed when you were speaking this morning, you saw Dave Cooper over there. And you had a reaction, you know, an emotional reaction to just him being there. Yep. And isn't that amazing how, as Christians, you know, people have that kind of effect on our lives. Mm-hmm. And um, just how it can almost sneak up on us how important they are and how much yes. influence they've had. We, I don't even think sometimes we understand why we react the way we do to our brothers and sisters, but we mm-hmm. do. Um, but it's something that you just can't get outside of the church. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> All right. Um to the ladies, uh, Paula, have you ever had the thought, here's that guy that I was dating who wasn't even a Christian, and now he's an elder? Yeah, I have. That, yeah, that's that's been kind of, you know, an amazing story. I mean, yeah. just to look and see. And Scott mentioned, you know, we, we know people that um, things have gone both ways for, where they've dated people that were not Christians, and it's not turned out well. Yeah, And it was a chance you know, that we took. He was not baptized until after we'd been married for six months or something. He he was going to church sporadically with me, but um, mm-hmm. he was, so it was a chance that we took. So, yeah, I do look at him and think, you know, God has blessed us. Thank God, yeah. Amen. Marie? I don't know, because um, when I got baptized, again, I, I said that I came from a single-parent household, so making a commitment was important to me. So I I waited a while to get baptized after I had this conversation with my grandparents and my great-aunt and some of my relatives. Um, But I stayed up every night agonizing about it um, because I just couldn't find any peace about it. But I I just kept coming back to the Bible, and I finally made a commitment. And I said, when I got baptized, it was going to be, that was it. That, That was I was going to be not a Sunday morning Christian. I was going to be every single time that those doors were open. Um, and so when we got married, it was definitely a commitment. It was like there, there is no, there's no option here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being that sort of a Christian and seeing that you were that sort of a Christian also, that you were there every single service, it wasn't surprising to me mm-hmm. to see that when we had children, you became a deacon and that when they became baptized, that you became an elder because mm-hmm. you were faithful. And so I guess it wasn't really a surprise to me to see that. It was a surprise to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I had – I remember once joking about um, marrying a preacher because then I'd be a preacher's wife. 
Um, and so it is a little odd to me to be an elder's wife because mm-hmm. there are responsibilities that, that we have. Uh, but uh, I have to say it's, it's a glorious journey. It's not mm-hmm. anything that was surprising seeing that you made those, those strides in your own faith. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's similar to what, what Paula was saying is that if you know the nature of the man and the man who you've committed to and are being married, then it's, I think looking back on it, it stands to reason. But it's probably still a little odd to think back to when we first started dating and who I was then compared to who I am now. I think it's odd to think that you and I are old enough to be having this conversation <laughs> because it doesn't seem like 30 years have passed by. Yeah, that is. Now, that I will definitely agree with. Um, as I... Uh, when I was first baptized and uh, lived my life as a Christian for a while, I was around a lot of people who had been Christians for a long time or had grown up in Christian homes. And I used to kind of regret that at times. That, wow, you know, I, I wish I had been, you know, taught from, from birth up to, uh, to uh, know the truth. Um, but now I think I have a little bit of a different idea of it. And my, my question to you, uh, Scott, is do you find any benefit about being converted later in life? Well, I think there are some. You know, uh, uh, this this reminds me of, in, in Romans, Paul talks about, you know, uh, to, to Jews and to Gentiles, which is a similar background. People brought up with the knowledge of the law. People brought up with no regard for the law. Yeah. And he says, you're both saved by faith. And then he says, somebody will say, what's the advantages of being a Jew? He said, they're great in all respects. And he lists some of those. Mm-hmm. There are advantages, as you say, to being mm-hmm. brought up in the church. But... Yeah. Um, I think a couple things that, that I get from having, and you know, I was 30, 35, uh, so that uh, I, I lived a, um, an ungodly life for quite a few years. Right. And I think a couple things that have come to me out of that. One is those, I am uh, fully and constantly aware that I lived a sinful life. I yeah. think it must be difficult if you're baptized, say, at 12. And the worst sin you're aware of is that you whatever, you broke something you didn't tell your mom right. and you lied about it, uh, to kind of keep in mind that you were saved by grace. I have no doubt that I was saved by grace. Right. And Peter talks about that. Mm-hmm. He talks about when you add to your faith knowledge and so forth. He ends up by saying, those who don't have those qualities have forgotten their cleansing from their previous sins. Mm-hmm. I, I don't forget my cleansing. Right. And I think that's what. And the other is perhaps that I'm not so easily shocked and, and that comes in, as you know, sometimes when you're trying to be a leader in the church and you yeah. hear conversations with people. I'm not so easily shocked by the fact that people do things that they should not do. Right, right. So I think those have been helpful. Yeah, yeah, and I would agree with you. I, I think that, uh, you know, some of the things I experience, I, I hear certain members are struggling with things, and I can sit down with them and say, you know what, I've been through that mm-hmm. myself. And so I know I know where you're at. I know what you're thinking. I know the the struggles that you're dealing with, and you know. And here's some tips on how you might be able to overcome that. Um, and so there's that part of it that that's helpful. And uh, you know, it took me a little while to really think about that. And I, I think really to run into a few people who said, "Man, I'm struggling with this or that," and saying, "You know what? Hey, I can relate." And sitting down and really being able to help them. Or bringing a sermon that includes some of those types of struggles or some of those worldly things you try to overcome and actually having been there and having some experience with it, uh, it, it helps. And it helps us to relate to, to, to others. And so um, you know, I used to, when I first became a deacon, even, I thought to myself, wow, you know, I, I wasn't, some of these guys out here should be deacons more, more so than me. But 
you know, I realized that I have a tool set that I could bring uh, to, to be helpful to, to people that, that some who grew up in the church may not necessarily have. I think one of the hard things about that, though, is I agree with exactly what Scott is saying. I'm, I'm very well aware when uh, Paul says, you know, of sinners, I am chief. I, I feel yeah. that very strongly um, and wish that I had um, had maybe a little bit more guidance at home, given that my family had a rich heritage in the church and that my mom kind of fell away. But as a parent, I want to protect my kids from all of that, and yeah, I want them to be yeah. raised in the church. So there's right. that dichotomy, right? There's that piece mm-hmm. of me that appreciates what I have because I lived so long without it and definitely understand the cleansing. And, you know, when Jesus was at the house and they said, well, who will uh, who will appreciate being forgiven more? Well, the one who needs, yeah. you know, who, yeah, who yeah. sinned more. So, so there's definitely that piece of it. But... I would never want my kids to experience that because there's just so much in this world that you want to protect them from and shelter them from. And you can't, Mm -hmm. um, but you are commanded to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So there are these cycles, right? There are these cycles where there are people who fall away from the church or who, who marry people who aren't members of the church. And then you grow your children up, and then maybe they fall away. And so there, there are cycles. Mm-hmm. But I would definitely encourage parents, of course, to raise their children in the Lord. And the way that you and I kind of shelter them, but not so much so that they don't appreciate what they have in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, on that note, I'm, I'm actually going to... Uh, conclude our discussion here by asking the ladies uh, basically what I asked Scott earlier what would your advice be to Christians who might want to date someone who is not a Christian I'll start with you Paula well I think I'd have to say what Scott did we've seen you know examples of it working out wonderfully and someone being saved because of it and we've seen examples where people have fallen away completely because they dated someone and it did not work out well for them. So mm-hmm. I don't think I would advise people yes or no, um, because that's not my place. Right. Um, I think you have to, as we talked about earlier, know the soil you're dealing with. And, you know, that that takes a little bit of time, but not a whole lot of time. And you have to make a decision on, is this something viable that's going to go forward? And I mean... I, you know, I had times in my life, I appreciate what Scott says, but I had times in my life I was doing things that I should not have been doing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's made a huge difference because of the person he is. And since he became a Christian, like you said, to have a head of household who's a leader and willing to be very supportive in things and help you through things. Yeah. Um, so for me, it was the right decision. But I, I can't say yes or no for someone mm-hmm. else. That's mm-hmm. just not something that, you know people can foresee because like I said we've right. we've got stories in our own family where it worked out really well and then it didn't work out really well for other people right. so right. I I would not venture to say mm-hmm. whether that's the plan or not yeah yeah really? it was not something that I sought out um, I had dated a lot of guys outside of the church I had dated guys who were in the church um, dating is dating you know, dating, it's just like when you're little, you know, kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? Want to be a ballerina and a doctor and a fireman and a this and a that. And, you know, they, they try on different personas until they figure out what it is that they really want to be. Mm-hmm. That's really what dating is. You're trying mm-hmm. different 
people out to you, it, it's a test drive to see well is this person someone that I'm compatible with mm-hmm. um, it's not marriage until it's marriage right. um, having said that again it's evaluating the soil mm-hmm. and 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 knowing is this person someone who is teachable is this someone who is curious is this someone who is willing to change if they're wrong mm-hmm. about something mm-hmm. and i think you have to know that about yourself too because i mean that's all about christianity is you learn better you do better mm-hmm. um, and you're growing too um, so the advice is make sure that you're dating someone based on the right things Mm-hmm. and evaluate that soil. Is this someone who is teachable and open to be taught? And do they know your faith up front? Mm-hmm. Because with you, as I said, we talked about it. It's like not 701. It's doors. We have to be there at 7 o'clock. And I set my boundaries out very early on. And you could have walked away or, mm-hmm. you know, but those were my boundaries. And I think that you have to set those. I'm not saying anything about you. You can come with me or you can not come with me. But for me, this is what I need to do. And I think you're, if you're clear about that up front with someone and they know that about you and they still choose to be with you, you just have to walk very carefully mm-hmm. in that relationship until you know which way the wind is blowing and, and be absolutely sure. It's not just for your own protection. But I think for that person's too, because I would not want to be the reason that someone got baptized. And for whatever reason, if I should fall away or if something were to happen to me and I'm not here, that their faith goes poof because I was the one that was behind that all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really important to evaluate that soil and know who you're dealing with. And again, we are not the ones who are the judges. Right. It's the Lord who's the judge. Mm-hmm. And so many times, I think if if I were to meet an atheist at work or something like that, the tendency for many of us is, well, there's what's the point? Yeah, yeah. Without knowing that there really is hope, that there really is hope. Mm-hmm. You have to let the Lord do the judging. If yeah. he puts people in you, you just do the planting. Right. And that seed, if it's in good soil and you continue to water it, it's going to yield some fruit. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I just I wanted to just acknowledge how how really how blessed the four of us are. Um, there's not a lot of folks who are in our position where uh, you know we're able to serve as elders and with the wives who qualify us, you know, along with the children to have the position that we're in. But especially the two of us, having been non-believers up to our, you know, you were in your thirties and and I was, uh, you know, almost thirty myself um, before we found the Lord. But uh, you know, I know looking at, through at my journey and, and hearing about your journey, just how blessed we are to be where we are now, um, and and to have you ladies who were uh, such an influence over us and and um, and really led us to the Lord. When you said that earlier, Scott, I agreed. I don't know if you saw me shaking my head up and down, but I was like, yeah. If it hadn't been for her, you know, God putting her in my life and her being the type of woman that she is. Uh, I don't know that I'd be baptized today, but but thanks to him and thanks to his will that that uh, we're there. But um, I just uh, I, w- I want to say a prayer together and uh, and close this episode with that because I I'm just feel feeling thankful to the Lord and, and want to express that. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we just uh, thank you so much for your blessing upon us. We thank you that uh, 
No matter what our thoughts may be, whether we even acknowledge your existence or are confused about whether you exist or not or how we should worship you, that, um, that you keep a path open for us and that if we keep our hearts open that you can put things in place in our lives and put people in place in our lives to help us to find you. We thank you uh, that uh, Scott and I found that path through our, our spouses. We thank you that he found Paula and, uh, and that she was an influence over him to bring him to you. We thank you the same for Marie and I. Thank you for putting her in my life and thank you for blessing us with uh, the children that we have and, and just the ability to be able to serve you. Uh, we feel so blessed, Lord, and we know that uh, if we have nothing else in life, just this opportunity to do your work is blessing enough that uh, we might, uh, through Christ, have the hope of heaven. And uh, we just pray, Father, that as we continue to live our lives, that uh, you will continue to lead us in the right direction and help us to do things that please you. Thank you again so much, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for listening. For more about us, check us out at truthseekers.org. There you'll find our links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube.